That's the whole point of the movie. I guess uh, horror movies they have to be scary, right? And we we live in times where in the past horror movies hadn't been they're not that scary anymore. They're you know, a lot of them are more comedy horror, and so we thought it was a good time to bring horror back and make a real, real old school horror movie, right? But the whole approach was to make everything real. That's why we decided not to use CGI in the movie. We want to do everything practical. We want the actors to be exposed to real things all the time. We shot on location, which is also very rare these days, but we went, we built a cabin in the middle of the woods. So, you know, everybody, even for me and for the actors, they were, we were all exposed to real things. So it was, you know, it had very scary moments, like even for the crew, because we're in a, very far away from the city, you know, and in, in, in the woods that has a lot of legends of curse, and, and it was supposed to be a haunted woods. So there was a lot of things going around production that were very scary for everybody. But at the end of the day, I think it really helped for the performances. The actors, sometimes when you see them on these scenes and they, they are so scared that sometimes they're really scared. They're scared for real. We had a truck of uh, 50,000 gallons of blood, so imagine. We really want everybody to read for the role and everybody, because we want to make sure that whoever want to be in the movie wants to really be in the movie. This is a, these are very, very demanding movies. I mean, for the actors, they are so tough, so tough to make. And so we want to make sure that whoever was, you know, playing this role, that they were, there were people that were 100% committed to the role. So everybody had to read, I don't know how many people, probably 500 people, like, read for this role. So it was really, really, really intense and long casting process. But that was the only way for us to know that we were finding the, fe the five best young new actors that we could find for this movie. And they were great in the movie. I, I love them. But I think the, the moment that I got scared the most was in the writing. Because imagine some of those scenes you've seen in the film. You're in a dark room with some headphones, like listening to some creepy music from other films and coming up with the whole scene. And, and that's when you leave the scene, you know, leave the, the, the scene for the first time. You like really experience the scene. And that's when it was really scary. Because the film is just built on all my deepest fears. <laughs> so probably that's when it was scarier. You are all going to die tonight. Welcome to Speak All Evil, the podcast you were warned about. I'm Trent here with Kevin, Kat, and Dave. Hello. Hi. Hello. This week, we're talking about remakes. As uh, much a tradition in horror film as anything, remakes are always with us, and I don't think there's any genre of film where remakes are such an ever-present form, unless you're talking about like foreign international markets. It's a little more commonplace, but any horror film that um, gets any attention at all or captivates anyone, eventually you can bet... Somewhere down the line, it could be sooner, it could be later, it could be a reboot, a requel, a prequel, whatever it is, the definitions get a little bit squishy. We've talked about remakes before, uh, movies that people don't even think of as remakes, like The Fly is technically a remake, or The Thing, technically a remake. Um, so you can come at it from a lot of different angles, and that, that's like kind of the fun, part of the fun of following genre film is you get second, third, fourth, fifth looks and attempts at these things. Um, I don't think we realized when we chose the two remakes that we were going to talk about this week, what we did, I didn't realize that, we chose uh, two bona fide, classic, canon American horror films, uh, both remade by young 
foreign directors, uh, one French and one Uruguayan, actually. Um, but both productions, overseen by the creators of the original films, the directors, writers, and producers, uh, the whole creative team oversaw both of these with young foreign guys at the helm. And I think that's kind of interesting. Uh, where are we starting here this week? We're starting with The Hills Have Eyes remake. Uh, it's a remake of Wes Craven's 1977 original. Um, and I love this movie. The reason why I love this movie uh, is because I think a lot of times we have these conversations about, oh, like, oh, well, I went into that movie. You said it was so great and you built it up too much and you ruined it. And that always that always comes up. Or, or like, I went into a movie thinking it was going to be totally terrible and I ended up loving it because you see it with no expectations and that's what remakes are like to me because so often they miss the mark um so like when one comes along like i feel like i'm more accepting of like the black christmases and whatever and i think the hills have eyes remake is one of the ones that really uh did justice uh for one of the first times there was a whole bunch of misses uh, leading up to this, but it's basically uh, about a retired detective, uh, Big Bob Carter, and his wife Ethel on a road trip from Cleveland to San Diego. Uh, they take a desert detour, and they are about to celebrate their 30th anniversary um, with their children, Linda, <laughs> Lynn, Brenda, <laughs> Bobby, uh, Lynn's husband, Doug, and their baby, Catherine. Um, and the stars of the movie, their German shepherds, Beauty and the Beast, mm. or just Beauty and Beast. Um, after stopping for gas in New Mexico, they take a shortcut and then, of course, uh, are attacked by mutant cannibal miners who refuse to leave this uh, area in the 40s and 50s when the U.S. government was performing nuclear weapons testing. Um, so the the scary thing to the, in this movie for me is the deformed people uh, from the nuclear test site um, and their deprivation of society and anything. Like, I feel like I could easily be that dude in the chair with a really long head just watching oh, the national anthem over and over again. <laughs> like, I feel I, I relate to that a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's even deeper than like the classism we talk about sometimes. It's just like um, people who have. They're they're not even human anymore because of how, uh, you know, they're they're they almost died. The radiation like destroyed them and made them all mutated. And then, uh, you know, generations later, I assume they're all inbred because they don't leave this place. And, um, you know, it's like it's like the manifestation of the things you usually see in the jars. Usually mm -hmm. You see these things in jars in the mad scientist lab. But now they're out and they're after you. <laughs> Because you took the shortcut. Um, Trent, what did you think? Um, this is not new to me. I'm familiar with this movie. I've kind of like been there and back with it. And I really didn't like it the first time. Didn't really like it the second time. But sometimes um, there's like a Stockholm Syndrome that sets in with some of these movies <laughs> where like... You know, you see it a few times, you start to appreciate it a little more. Yeah, it's like, you know, you start eventually like, oh, this is familiar to me. I know this. This is good, actually. Um, you know, I, I guess I should preface the whole episode to me. One problem I have with this movie, and I have the same problem with the other movie, not nearly as much. Um, 
the thing is about these movies to me, you have uh, The Hills Have Eyes, 1977, Wes Craven. This is a low-budget, this is an indie production. It's very dated. It's a, a bunch of people scrapping with like the best that they can put together to pursue this vision. And it succeeds despite all those limitations. They make something that is original, that is soulful, that is like gritty, that has like a, a heart. And it has something that is, is fresh and it grabs people's attention and it resonates with people. And it becomes, you know, a cult classic like Hills Have Eyes. So I think it's not so easy to just decide like 20, 30 years later, even if it's, you know, Wes Craven himself who you know, got this movie going and, and handpicked the director, Alexandre Aja, who we talked about before, uh, made the movie High Tension we talked about on our French episode. That kind of put him on the map, and then he was quickly tapped by Craven to do this movie. I think it's a little hard sometimes to just think that, okay, we can just throw like five times as much money as this and get, you know, better actors and better production and better effects, and we can just do it even better, you know, if we... Uh, if we make the production better, the movie will be as good as that. And that's where I think sometimes I get disappointed because I think you lose some of that original vision. You lose that soul, that passion. It's kind of intangible, I think. I mean, by all you know standards, this would be a better film. It's much better made. It looks better. Um, I don't like... There's something about this movie, the look, and we've talked about it, and I, ha I, don't, I can't put my finger on it. I don't know if it's just the, like, the tone filter... I don't know that much about the the technical side of filming, but I don't know if it's like a frames per second thing. I think it's like a frames per second, maybe. There's something weird about how it looks. It looks kind of like a... It's the washed out. It's the yellow. It's a washed out thing, but also just the, the way people move. I think there's something about it that gives it sometimes like a little bit of um, like a high def video game feel. I, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. You know saying. what I mean? <laughs> Camera zoomy thing. I think that's in like the third act or whatever act in the final one where you see some of the mutants move. They definitely do some camera trickery that make them look like a little herky-jerky. Yeah. yeah, so you have the, the mutants in the desert, and again, in this film, they've gone above and beyond to make them look like extra mutiny, whereas in the first film, you just had Michael Berryman. That's just what he <laughs> looks like. And you had some other guys that, you know, they're very creepy. You can see that um, the original is on Shutter or Tubi right now, or you can rent it. This is a rental right now. So I think it loses some of that stuff, even as it attempts to um, to surpass it, even though technically um, the, the mutants look better in this, quote unquote. I don't know. They're just, I, you know, I actually, I, see what I think if I wasn't beautiful, I might have that, a similar take <laughs> on this movie. Just, I, I, I think they're that. a little more faceless, um, you know, but that said, it is a very faithful remake. This isn't any kind of, I think the Evil Dead, the next movie we're going to talk about is, is a little bit different. This really follows the exact same story. The family, they get stuck in the desert. They're on the way to uh, California and the cannibals set upon them. It does some different stuff at the end. Didn't really care for the, the addition of the like nuclear testing village or whatever. I thought by that point, I'm like, all right, but this is very brutal. A lot of brutality in this. I will give it that. And you know, Again, for, by the umpteenth time I've seen this, I kind of enjoyed it. I remember liking this movie when it first came out, like when I was younger, and I didn't really know much uh, back then about horror. But when I revisited it this week, I, uh, I, uh, I just felt I was underwhelmed. I've also never seen the original, though, so I didn't really have anything to compare it to. Um, 
I don't know. I just like I didn't find the characters really likable at all. I mm. never felt like any connection with any of them. Not like that I was hoping bad things would be happening to them. It's not like I was actively rooting against them, but I just didn't really care about them very much and I don't know why. Um I think the actors were fine. It's not like I disliked their acting. I just don't really think that their characters were developed as much as I guess they could have been. Um, I thought the plot itself was kind of boring. Um, like there's no real, no real mystery to what was going to happen. You know, right off the bat, obviously the mutant, mutant people, hill people, if you will, are going to, you know, play with this broken down family and eat them, I guess, or whatever. But there was no, uh, it wasn't like a question of how, I guess the only question that they had was like, how are they going to, are they going to get him with the pickaxe or are they going to stab him with something else? Like, I don't know. It's just kind of like predictable to me, but, um, I was also hoping, I don't, I didn't really like the gore in this movie. I thought like the practical effects of like the mutants themselves, it was fine, but the gore itself, like I liked the, um, the self-inflicted gunshot was probably like the that was best the highlight part. Of that the was gore. the highlight yeah. of the and that and so off the bat I was like, oh okay, it maybe was it'll video be cool. Gamey after that, though, I yeah, it just wasn't. It didn't really, you know, tickle my fancy very much. But I liked that Buffalo Bill was in it. He's cool. Boom. It was nice seeing him when he comes. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I probably watch the original just to compare now. Um, maybe I'll like that one better. It was fine. I don't know. It was okay. Okay. Um, I would disagree. I think the character. I think there is very good character development in this. Mm. Not as not as great as some, but we have to put this into context. Like Trent said, remakes in horror are a dime a dozen. They happen every ten years or so. Uh, sometimes you get a remake that happens literally five years after the original sometimes you get the 1977 original hills have eyes remade in 2006 and i really i want to point out that this was made in 2006 because this was a pretty garbage era for horror it was very video gamey you guys Mm -hmm. have all pointed out very credible things (laughs) uh in terms of this is a little bit like oh was this directed by a music video director no it was alexander Alexandra Aja. Um, but I love the characters. Like, I love the fact that you just pointed out that it's Ted Levine as Big Bob, which apparently Ted Levine can only have double B names, so he mm-hmm. has to be Big Bob or Buffalo <laughs> Bill to have, like, a real role in a movie. Uh, I love the fact that you have Kathleen Quinlan as Ethel, the mom. I mean, come on. Like, this is an, an Oscar-nominated actress from, like, Apollo 13, plus... She's fucking married to Bruce Abbott from Reanimator. Oh, nice. I love that you have Emily de Ravine playing Brenda, the snotty child of this couple that's just out here in the desert. Um, lost, right? Lost. Right. Yes. Um, also, Santa's sleigh, which keeps coming up in my research, and I've never seen it. Is that so. the one with Goldberg, the wrestler? Yeah, I think I've seen I, that. <laughs> Santa's yes, yeah, Santa's sleigh. It's not bad. Santa's sleigh. Yeah, yeah. I've seen um, the um the So, you know, we're coming up on the holidays. Maybe that should be uh, on a, on the slate. I think so. Um I love I I seriously like uh Dan Bird is Bobby, the little brother. Love him. 
love that character. Um, but what I what I really love is Doug. Doug's character sucks. Oh. Aaron Stanford as Doug. Yes. Who is Lynn, one of their older daughter's husband. He sucks. I love his character arc in this. It it doesn't necessarily redeem itself, but I think this is great. I think there is a great opening with the Harbinger and you have like gas station guy. He's like kind of like I would like to discuss this with you guys. Like it's a Harbinger slash like almost like gatekeeper. Like mm-hmm. he's being held hostage by the mutants. Like to he like has some sort of deal with him. them. Yeah, maybe a where deal. they like give yeah. him stuff from from the families that they kill and eat. They, they kind of work together. They have an informal yeah, they, relationship. Yeah, they yeah. Barely like a back alley handshake for sure. Um, I love that. I love like the opening is great. Slaughter. There is a bit of a lull. I will give you that. But when shit gets going in the camper, and then shit gets going in the mines, and then the town like the fake town I guess they built mm-hmm. for these, you know, nu- nuclear experiments. I think this is a great fucking horror movie. Um, I think we can, both movies we're going to talk about, we can definitely question scenes they recreated that are questionable. There's definitely, in Hills Have Eyes, portions of the camper scene that are questionable of how you could have handled them 29 years later. Uh, and Evil mm-hmm. Dead, you know, same thing. Um, but I mean, overall, like, I think character ve- development was good in this. I think how it pushed them forward. I, I actually really appreciate how Big Bob was presented to be this, like, I'm the man. Mm-hmm. I'm a retired detective and I know all these guns and I've taught my young son Bobby all this shit about guns. I love that arc, how it's like, Oh shit! Big Bob gets it. Gets it. <laughs> you didn't uh, uh, mention Vanessa Shaw, who plays Lynn, uh, wife of Doug and mother of the infant, who yep. becomes like the infant is the hottest commodity in this whole deal. Everybody, the cannibals want the infant. <laughs> family wants it back. Um, she was just in Vanessa Shaw was in. We need to do something. Yep, which is a great little horror movie from this year. Um, and she was in something else we talked about. She's in Hocus Pocus. Yeah, that's uh, how she got her start. Child <laughs> actor in Hocus Pocus, yes. for sure. Mommy but, of the Week. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I would say maybe Mommy available. of the Week just because the guy- She uh, was a mommy. Breastfeeds <laughs> from her while holding a gun to her baby. She doesn't last that long. Mm-mm. I don't know spoilers, but- uh, Oh, we can spoil the I, shit I out of both her, of these know? movies. I, I, I wish well, she was in the movie more. Mm. Well, I, I like how some of the characters uh, get blown away, like Kathleen Quinlan gets blown away like in a second. And uh, I like that. And I also loved, uh, you guys talk about the way it was stylized. Like, I love the way it was stylized. I, even more so than um, Aja's, uh, more than High Tension. You know, like that was a little stylized and there was a little grain to like some of the stuff. I thought that this was definitely him evolving from that. Um, but he, yeah, tell me, I, I want to hear I, anyone else see the first one. You said you hadn't. Mm-mm. Have you seen the first one? Oh, yeah. OK, so can you guys tell us about the first one a little bit? Because I I like started watching it a long time ago, but I you've never seen it. I couldn't. No, I've never seen it. This and is I another movie that you it. said you don't like. 
And then, but I when we turn out, when we talk I about it, you, it. It. you couldn't finish it. Yeah. How many movies at the <laughs> film festival did we not finish? Like, you know, we watched part of it and we're like, this is garbage. There's nothing they could do to redeem themselves after this. So this is one, it's different than what we're going to talk about with Evil Dead. This is one where like Trent says- It's a they, straight thing. It's the same, same yep. exact story. Yep. And they had yep. Craven over it and he was giving it the thumbs up but do they have all the same like kills and stuff do they have the breastfeeding while the gun to the head um, and do they have the burning um, of big bob i mean the trailer scene yeah the burning of big bob the trailer scene, all, yep. everything is right right on i actually like forgot about the burning of big bob i was like is that in the first one yes it is everything happens pretty much right down until the very end when you get to that there's a, a little like um nuclear test site village where they have constructed these houses and put like dummies in them to see they, they bring that in <laughs> in the second remake because there is a hills have eyes too mm. right um, but yeah they, Both original they, they pretty much do things it's right up until that end it's pretty much the same thing the dogs it's all the same and then the, the little uh the little cannibal girl who you know, doesn't want to go through with eating the baby mm. um that's in both movies so it's pretty faithful no, no they qualms had there. That really. Character in um, Wrong Turn as well, the little, yeah, little girl. But because um, it's really hard to talk about remakes without talking about the original. And like when you were uh, doing your take, Trent, I was thinking to myself, like, like if he were not to be comparing this to the original, or like how it was made and all this, the reasons why you said you didn't like it. If it was just like this is a whole new movie, like you know, yeah, with the sequels, uh, we to had to talk about like, yeah, if you didn't have Wrong Turn as a title, people would like this better because mm-hmm. uh, of what they know Wrong Turn is. To me, I don't really care about that stuff, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't have you know, it, it's a faithful recreation of the story. I, I don't have any problems with it being, you know, it's not like The Hills Have Eyes is like my favorite movie or anything, but I can see why. Um, it would turn you off. It is very, very low budget. It is very dated. And but I think the other thing is that like it's kind of campy. It's kind of funny, you mm-hmm. know. And and that's true. I think of both of these movies where the original. I think because in part because it is so low budget and underground, there's like a, a silliness to it that when you try to do something like so deadly serious, like you're missing that element where it is like kind of funny. You know, yeah. Michael Berryman is this uh, mutant Berryman. Um, I think that you kind of lose that when you try to do this like super serious thing. You know? Yeah. And that's what I like about Wes Craven is like that silly like campiness. So, but I don't know. I I think it got to a point too where it's just like, you know, once he's in that town or like once he's out like trying to get him, like get the mutants, it just is very repetitive. It's like, oh, they capture him. Yeah. But then he escapes. Uh, but then they capture him again. But then he escapes. You know, it's just like, it just... I don't know. It gets just a, didn't. Gets a little actiony. Yeah. 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 Sure. Yeah. One thing that I would say they do worse than the original is that this movie really hits you over the head nonstop about the fact that they're deformed from nuclear testing. Mm-hmm. The first movie lets you know that in a much more subtle way. Like, yeah, this was a nuclear testing site. These guys are mutants, kind of from that. They've you know been living in the mines stuff. This movie, the whole thing from the opening, all the newspaper clippings all the old stock footage of the mutated kids the oh. baby stuff which i guess is like real and kind of like ugh, i have to put that in there but Icky. like throughout the whole movie it's just constantly beating you over the head yes like it's a very mid, it. it's yeah. a very mid 2000s thing to do yeah like I, we yeah. definitely well from 
mid to late 90s to mid to late 2000s, that was a very stylized, specific intro to your horror movie that you had to have. True, and that's um, my favorite thing about Aja um, is that he was part of uh, what was known as the Splat Pack informally at the time. He came up, there was a young group of uh, horror filmmakers like Aja, Eli Roth, Neil Marshall, um, James Wan, Lee Fennell, and well, they even like Pascal Logier. Yes, like, I mean right. the whole this, French like contingent right. so, as well. Yeah, there are a lot of similarities among the Splat Pack directors. Just want to say that one more time. I love that. And uh, <laughs> you can see some of those sensibilities. Like that's kind of saw like the way they do the whole nuclear thing. You know, constantly through the movie. Yeah, I don't. I don't mind that stuff. I think it's because you know I have like a teenage daughter, and so these kind of like. L- no-brainer kind of just like scary horror movie like it's the kind of movie i would picture like playing at a drive-in like a fun movie at a drive-in because it just has like these disturbing characters and it has you know it's it's kind of a little mainstream but uh i i kind of want to watch the original because i actually like the story i thought the way i like these uh, it's not too different than the uh, hillbilly horror into the woods or whatever, um, because it's just another isolated part of America. But um, yeah, I, I'm psyched. I, when you mentioned all the other remakes this week, it made me realize that, like, I thought The Hills I Have Eyes Two was like one of the best remakes. But then once you started listing off all the remakes, there's uh, been a lot. There's been a lot of good ones. Uh, yeah. The town that dreaded sundown is not one of those. We I talked just about like that. To point that, out. <laughs> yeah. that is not one of those. I had also thought that that one was. This one does not did not let me down as much as that one did. This is way be- way better than that. Yes. To be clear. Well, I way love that. I love that when that was remade. I love that. You did when at the time, out, but then when it. we reviewed it, you were like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I yeah, didn't it was. It. I didn't. Yeah. But that that ends up on a lot of lists. Like if you just uh, look around at what people think of horror remakes, a lot of people will try to sell you the town that dreaded sundown. Well, as because a good the remake. first one is so dull. Yeah, maybe that's why. Yeah. Right, and the, it's like meta. Is, yeah, this is also in the era True. of right. where um, they weren't doing a lot of things good with horror movies during this era, other than sound design. So that when they were remaking 1970s horror movies in early 80s, the one thing that they did get right is sound design. Yes. So if you watch this movie, That's a tough thing with 70s movies, you pick up like you can tell. I appreciate the fact like watching these now, and especially with all of the movies that we've researched and talked about and looked up, like how they made these sounds. And like Dave, you were talking about like how the last thing you want as a member of a band is to hear your drummer hit a splash symbol, but in a horror movie, you're like, damn, that works. Uh, it, I appreciated this movie this time for the sound design, especially how it changed through each sort of chapter of the movie. Like it was great. Like if you go back and you watch like gas station guy, so gas station guy are like harbinger slash, I, I guess co antagonist, uh, Tom Bauer. He's been doing everything since 1975. The guy has... He was the uh, the sheriff and the kill, uh, killer inside me. Oh, right. That was the harbinger in this movie. Oh, wow. Um, but if you go back to like some of those scenes, especially before the family gets there, and like he's sort of like kind of scared and being like, Ruby, mm-hmm. Ruby, I told you the deal was done. Like, 
really listen to how they change the sound design in some of those scenes and then when they change it to inside the inside the van or the truck and the what is it like a fucking streamliner like van that they're like camper that they're pulling behind them and then when they change it to like the point of view of the mutants in the hills as they're watching them like there's just a lot of really good things that happened in this era of horror that i definitely think aja and the splat pack went back and they were like what what was happening here that really worked that we can't use our new technology to make it look fancier to make it look better uh, what can we actually use? And, and I want to give, I want to tip my hat to them for that. However, I will say, as far as gore and some of the things that you guys are talking about, uh, this movie has the, other than My Bloody Valentine remake, mm. the most pickaxe. So many mm. pickaxe deaths. <laughs> mo- most pickaxe deaths. Uh, to, to your point about this, the the sound design, my only problem with the sound in this is like when music comes on out of nowhere uh like why all of a sudden why is california california dreaming blasting out of nowhere they don't appear to have radio on it's an it's an homage to the original maybe they do i don't know and then like during the trailer assault which is very brutal i Mm -hmm. love that it is super super brutal and i think sometimes like i'm so jaded that that really didn't hit me until the last time i was watching this but like there's this um defcon 4 like nuclear reactor noise that just Comes out of nowhere. Why is that sound suddenly appearing in the middle of this movie? It doesn't make any sense. Like to me, that is the sign of a video director covering up maybe not the most dramatic scene, and so mm-hmm. he can throw some noise in there. I don't know. I the the thing that I have a problem with the reason why maybe I didn't like the the first one when I started it. Uh, is the 70s, like you were talking about sound design, but I was also thinking about just dialogue. A lot of movies from the 70s, like I love trashy looking video. Like you can pretty much do anything to video or go as far back as you want. And I still like the way things look, but sometimes when they're like talking and it's like, hey, Judy, you gotta go to the... And it's like all this like reverb and it sounds all weird. Like I have a hard time with that in older movies. And and then when they kick into like, uh, like modern seventies or contemporary seventies music is weird too, like like pop music of the day or some, something. Some no. of that was an homage to the original, like California right. Dreaming and stuff like that. Where like, was that? Was that on the radio in the original or something? Or it, it's it's remember. in the original. Um, but I also like little things that they did. Uh, like the gas station is called Gas Haven. Which Wes Craven? Oh, um, <laughs> kind of a stretch. Hey, right? Come on, come if you're on. a rapper. Uh, you also have Trent. You got to back me up on this. You have Sloth from the Glo- from the Goonies and Belial. Oh, uh, I'm not from that Basket much of a Case Goonies guy. I don't really remember the Goonies. I got to tell it, you. Well, Sloth is in ex- this. Yeah, no, he him. he throws Doug around yeah. a house for a while. I, I thought the but, dialogue was pretty big, brutal. Big head guy was he not Belial? Um, he looked like kind of like Belial from Basket Case. Sure, the yeah. guy in the chair yeah. that I was talking about—that's him. Like a yeah. character Belial. from Star Wars. That's what he means. Like yeah, Jaffa like Belial meets Star Wars. <laughs> you know what I'm talking yeah. about? The guy who's like—he's one of Jabba the Hutt's dudes. That's who he's talking he has about. A skin. No, that's not who he's talking about. He's talking about Basket Case. 
Yeah, the guy in the chair with the guy in the chair. Heads. Oh, yeah. I'm he, talking about he. He looks like Belial. Oh, he's, his facial features. Yeah, are a little bit like that. Yeah, but, but it's also a Star Wars. We haven't talked about the biggest stars of the movie that you hinted to at the, the very dogs. beginning. The, the dogs Shepherds. are the stars of the movie. Well, you were the ghostwriter for my intro, so uh, <laughs> you put your opinion in there that the dogs are the stars of the movie. If I haven't chimed in, I mean, I do think the only reason why I like the dogs in the movie is because. Uh, Queen Elizabeth, my dog, started watching movies because of this movie this week. She now oh, oh, she liked, can focus she on the Beauty TV and, Beast. and she can look at the TV now after she heard the dogs barking and got her attention. And then all of a sudden it was like, uh, it was probably because I was like smoking a huge joint next to her, but she just all of a sudden, <laughs> oh my God, that's it. It's not outside. It's, uh, it's on this thing. Yep. And so now me and Liz watch horror movies together. So that's why I liked- Beauty and Beast a lot from this movie. But there's there's two things I love about this movie. Um, one, Beast is the star. He lit- Nothing happens in this movie without this dog. And Bobby, the son, who is the last person that you're going to think is going to be like that important, is so important. Mm-hmm. I like but his like- attitude when shit starts going down. He's like, we got to fucking go. We got to fucking kill him. Like, that's <laughs> me. Like, that's what I feel like when... Well, I, this doesn't happen, but like if I hear leaves <laughs> rustling outside. But beauty, beauty gets him. wasted early, and that's how you get Bobby out there, and Bobby kind of gets fucked up, and he's out of the picture for a little bit. But Beast rips off somebody's arm and brings a fucking arm with a walkie-talkie attached to it <laughs> back, back to the family, and that's how they start communicating with the mutants. And then Beast comes back when Doug's getting fucked up. And is, the, is mutant the PC term for these people? Hill people? Hill people? Uh, I mean, they're mutated. They have like birth defects from the radiation, I guess, from all the nuclear tests and, and stuff. And inbreeding. Well, yeah, I, we don't like, know that for this, sure, but this, I guess we can assume This one it. gives it more of like a we want the baby so that we can not be so inbred. I thought they wanted to eat the baby. Well, they can't decide. Yeah, they're they're no, they want to eat the people for sure. I think they want the baby to like continue breeding. The, yeah, the second yeah. one makes it really, Ew. really gross. And that like we want to eat some dudes, but cat, we'd like you to come on board. Um, uh, same as uh, yeah, like wrong turn, up. the wrong turn reboot we talked mm. about. Mm. Got to have some way to propagate the. Yeah. Well, he, I mean, he could get it. Yeah. It's not far off from the hillbilly horror that right. we talked about a couple weeks ago. You talked about the music trend. Tom and Andy did that. They've done a bunch of shit. Oh, Tom and Andy about. once again. I didn't know that. The Strangers Haunt. We've talked about a bunch of their stuff. Uh, so they did the music, not the sound design, but the music, cinematography. Uh, Maxime Alexandra. Most of Aja's stuff. He also did The Crazies 2010, which is a great remake. Yes. He did the Maniac remake. He did The Voices with Ryan Reynolds. I don't know if you guys have seen that. That is an underseen film that is fantastic. Uh, Annabelle Creation, The Nun, Haunting of Bly Manor. Wow. And he's doing the new Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City, which is out on November 24th, which I'm very excited about. Um, I also love the actual... Sonny Bean legend. Did you guys look this up at all? That the this Scottish is based cannibal. On? 
I think he's come up before on other movies. <laughs> yeah, I think you're 100% right. Uh, so I'm not going to go into that. Just look it up. Um, but allegedly killed 1,000 people to feed his in-bed, inbred brood of 48 children. Probably in-bed too, though. Yeah, yeah, same thing. But, um, um, Aja has had a pretty interesting career. He was a young up-and-coming filmmaker when this was made, 2006 release. But he's done a bunch of different things over the years. I kind of like... When High Tension came out, I had high hopes, and then he made this, which I didn't really like at the time. He made a movie called Mirrors with Kiefer Sutherland, which was a remake of a Japanese horror movie. He remade Piranha. He made Piranha 3D, which is worth like the last 15 minutes, the, the finale of he Piranha. He just writing at one point. It's so it crazy. Like... Yeah, he wrote and produced a movie called P2, which is great. Oh, uh, yeah. I do love P2. I, I like that one a lot. Um, he made a movie called Horns, which was uh, adapted from Joe Hill. Um, Which I, is amazing. Ah, uh, did you watch it this week? I didn't watch it. this I week. I went back and uh, I loved Horns at the time, 2013. Eh, it's not as good as I remember. I can kind of see now why it wasn't quite as well received. I, I kind of got tricked. I was at the theater and in a good mood, and I thought it was great. <laughs> but then watching it now, I was like, ah, I don't know about this. Uh, but I do want to recommend uh, Asha's latest film called Oxygen, which is on Netflix. No cover charge required. I think Oxygen is one of my favorite horror movies of this year. It's in my top five. Uh, I might have to bring it up when we do our year-end roundup. I've heard some people that didn't like it that much, but I love Oxygen from this from, year from on Dave, Netflix. From not Cat, to be clear. I would recommend Ooh. that. I didn't hate it, but Ooh. I don't know. Well, you were I, getting I, revenge on me for saying I didn't, you know, like this one that like much. It with what you were saying about our all I said was it was it was one of my favorite movies. That's, That's all I said. You you called it this that whole thing. Again, this couldn't happen again. This is that once in a lifetime This is the thrill divine What's more All right, our next selection this week is 2013's Evil Dead. This is a rental right now. This is directed by Fede Alvarez, who I think people know now um, from Don't Breathe, the film that he went on to make with his co-writer after Evil Dead. He also co-wrote this movie, and this was done under the tutelage of Wes Craven, listed as a producer. Sam Raimi. Um, I'm sorry, Sam Raimi as a producer. Um, this is like, I would call Evil Dead 2013 almost just another Evil Dead sequel uh, more than a straight remake. It's a totally different story. The The cabin is the same. The book is the same. You even get Ash's car uh, as a cameo in this one. But it's kind of just like a continuing, just like Evil Dead 2 was sort of just a, a kind of a, a reimagining of, this, of the first movie. This is kind of just a reimagining uh, of Evil Dead. And it's about uh, a young woman named uh, Mia who has an addiction uh, with heroin and her friends have decided that they are going to stage this kind of like getaway detox at a cabin in the woods. And not only that, they've invited her estranged brother. This isn't the first detox they've attempted with Mia, apparently. So the brother is kind of like upping the ante and uh, 
Unbeknownst to Mia, they've all decided, as they tell her brother when he arrives at the cabin for this whole lockdown detox thing, they have decided that this time, no matter how much she begs, uh, no matter how much she demands to be taken home at uh, the point where she inevitably uh, will break, they're not going to do it. They're going to stay there with her. They're not going to bring her home. They're going to make sure that she kicks this once and for all. Of course, uh, eventually a book is discovered in a basement. It seems to be bound in flesh or something. It's wrapped in barbed wire. That book gets opened and some passages are read aloud. Mm. And next thing you know, uh, you're on to some very familiar happenings. The demons are unleashed. And then the addiction thing is kind of a second fiddle to uh, surviving the night. Uh, this is a, probably one of the greatest remakes ever, reboots, whatever you want to call it. Um, this is up there with anything we've talked about in terms of a reimagining of a classic film. You don't really get much better than Evil Dead. It is brutal as hell. Um, Jane Levy is incredible in this movie. She gives uh, an amazing performance. And I think she's done mostly television since this. I don't think she's done a lot of features. Like, I don't, from this movie, I would say Jane Levy can probably do anything. I think she was really a standout performance in this. It was a crazy role. This is all practical effects. They didn't do CGI in this except for like touch up stuff like that. So they really wanted to make it real. They, they built a cabin in the woods in New Zealand some reason, uh, way out remote. I understand they tried to make it as real as possible. Peter Jackson. There were, yeah, there were legends about um, hauntings of these woods and they, they tried to really like make an experience for everyone involved that this would be as real as they could make it. Um, I like this one. I think that, you know, I have some problems with some of the same issues that I mentioned with The Hills Have Eyes. I think when you're trying to be so deadly serious um, and you're taking this original quirky crazy indie vision from so long ago and you're trying to up the budget and and you're trying to match the gore which this definitely does it is very very brutal i mean Mm. it rains blood for an extended sequence in this movie you're like in a slayer song um (laughs) i do like this movie i don't know if i love it or not um but it's a very good time and if you're looking for a quality sequel this is definitely one i think this is the best shit ever (laughs) i love it i love how about 14 minutes in they do very little character development but just enough um i actually thought that this could also be a great live action scooby-doo uh because the homie that i like the most even though he set off this whole curse on everyone is very much like shaggy Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i just i love that dude uh but he's a little bit more logical than shaggy even though he does Again, well, like unleash really all this stupidly stuff. logical. Yes, um, don't read it. He kind of don't say it out loud. He <laughs> almost reminds me of the guy with the the ex- retractable bong in uh, Cabin in the Woods. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I really like the cast in this, um, and I don't even think of. I don't compare it to the other Evil Dead's at all, and I guess that's another time that I just go into it not thinking about the other movies and i like when uh movies that do remakes they do them differently so maybe where you think uh, a higher budget or expense is a kind of uh down in the mouth (laughs) i i actually like when you can take a movie that was made on a shoestring budget and then pay homage and do it in a totally different way in a totally unique way this movie has like crazy suspense. So as soon as she gets in the car and takes off uh, down the road, 
there's this sequence from that point until the very end <laughs> that is just uh, jaw-dropping, cringe. And it's a totally different style of horror than any of the Sam Raimi stuff at all. And I was like, honestly, really impressed at how uh, it was so different, you know, but it's, you know, Fidi Alvarez. And so um, that was like a whole new director now that I I love. Um, but yeah, I thought that this is, I think this is the best shit. It's just so exciting. And it's one of the few movies that I like look away from stuff, even though we watch way more brutal stuff. There's uh, the practical effects are yeah. very, very good. And I, and some of them, like I thought the part where the guy slips on the piece of face flesh oh. and hits <laughs> yeah. his back on the yes. toilet and he starts off with just like a bad back. Like subtle, subtle that was moment. very Sam Raimi, like that part in particular. Um, but let's go, Kevin. I know you're on board this movie is the first time I ever knew about a red band trailer. Like, do you guys remember like that? Mm-hmm. Like, like no, back in mean? the day, like being like, no, Oh, it's a red band trailer. So it's like mm-hmm. almost like, okay, well, if you're going to go see this movie, it's rated R, but if you're going to watch this trailer on the fucking internet where everyone can watch it, we're going to give it a red band. Mm-hmm. And then the poster, do you guys remember the, the original poster for this was, like the most terrifying experience <laughs> yeah. like I've ever seen. The, mo- the most terrifying film experience you will ever have. Yeah, the most terrifying film terrifying. you will ever mm-hmm. experience. That's it, yes. But Dave, what you were just saying, like I, okay, so just right out the gate, this is one of my favorite horror movies of all time. This is mashed potatoes to me. This is comfort food. It, it's stuffing <laughs> mm. at Thanksgiving. <laughs> I will. Wa- I literally, literally watch this movie multiple times a year, and I don't know why. We can rip it apart, but the the little things that you just talked about, how fucking unforgiving it is. I love it. I love the gallons of blood. I love Jane Levy's performance as Mia. I think. I've I've read things. I've listened to other podcasts that talk about this movie where they say, "Oh, it's so cheesy." When she's like, "David, David, there's yeah, something I, in the woods." I love that. I, I think, think it's I following that me here. Was great acting. I love it. Like I almost think that's like an homage to like the snotty scene from the Blair Witch Project. Mm. Like it's, it's a very powerful scene for me. Um, I do love the cast. You mentioned. You guys have mentioned. Like they might not like totally bring every character into like 3d uh, yeah i feel like it's like jane and the others kind well, that, of there's oh, a yeah. dude who's I, from I, I disagree the there's like a scream what's that uh male equivalent of it like a scream queen the that dude uh, uh i don't know brother like david her brother her brother is in uh dead girl dead girl red riding girl next door like yeah but i think the character's are, are all great. Like, you know, you've got Jane Levy as Mia, who we, we talked about. You got Shiloh Fernandez, who plays David, her brother. Uh, you have Lou Taylor Pucci, who we're going to talk about a lot, who is Eric, who is the guy that finds the book and decides to open it up and then do some really ridiculous shit, like s- scribbling out the words and saying them out loud. Um, he, by the way, Guess. is in a bunch of good genre stuff. But when I looked him up, I was like, oh, fuck. 
he plays Saint Jimmy in the Green Day video of Jesus of Suburbia. Oh my, yes he does. Wow. Uh-huh. There you go. He really um, gets That's so lot. funny. Wow. Like what that's one of the most punished characters I've ever seen so in any movie. So that's the thing. Everybody gives him shit for like bringing everything on in this movie. But then he also takes the most punishment. He, so I'm like yeah. where we need to have a discussion here where like is it is it proportionate? How guilty not. he is for doing that and how much shit he get. I mean, dude, he dies. So, I mean, let's just go there. But other characters, Jessica Lucas plays Olivia, the nurse, quote unquote nurse, who does a terrible fucking job of being a nurse. Cat, she was in The Covenant. Oh, okay. You have to know The Covenant. Yes. Yeah. Taylor Kitsch. Mm-hmm. Sebastian Stan. Okay, yes, great. Obviously. Um, she was also in Cloverfield, guys. Oh. Ooh. Um, and then the last one is poor Elizabeth Blackmore who plays Natalie who is David's girlfriend who just gets she's so brutalized with like three sentences of dialogue in the entire movie so I love the difference in this one where uh, you have a lot of campy dialogue and stuff like that from the original Evil Dead. And then in this one, you get a very specific, we're all here, we have to get Mia off heroin. And here's a very thin layer of where each one of our characters stand (laughs) and what their (laughs) development is. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then let's just start fucking them up. I think when I first saw this movie, that was like my first takeaway was like my first impact was, oh, she's on heroin. They're not going to let her leave. Like that is a good dynamic for an evil dead movie. You know what I mean? Like, So I went into this expecting not to like it because of how much I love, you know, the original evil dead franchise. Um, first time. This is my first time Ooh. guys. Wow. Yeah. And me and Trent were kind of chatting about it uh, the other day too, where I was like, is this like, like evil dead like what's it gonna be like and he was kind of like no it's very different so i was like i don't know how i'm gonna feel about it but i loved it so much obviously um i like how it took the premise of the original films and you know use the necro necro Necronomicon, the Necronomicon, Book of the Dead, Book of the Dead, Harbinger, Necronomicon, and they use that as the basis, you know, for basically their own horror story, and I think they executed it very, very, very well. Uh, visually, this film is beautiful. Um, I liked the cinematography a lot, and also the um, the dark, but. Uh, simultaneously very striking tone of the film Um, a lot of light color accents kind of like popping in a sea of just like a dark tone um, which was just very eye-catching and I loved it a lot Um, and I still got a fluorescent blood moment which I was super into with all the uh, the blood vomit uh, scene so I was super into that I was very happy very Um, Raimi yes exactly um and then where the original, you know, had that dark comedic and campy spookiness to it, in contrast, this one is just actually very legitimately scary, like has that scare factor. Very creepy. Um, honestly, when I was watching it, 
um, it was technically still daytime, but it gets dark at, you know, four o'clock now. Um, I had to go turn on all my lights in, alone in my apartment. Wow, um, goals. I Podcast got, goals. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's when you know Kat has to turn her lights on. Um, yeah, I definitely scared myself watching it. Uh, the makeup and special effects are fucking so well done, so terrifying. Uh, they did a great job making you really believe that these fuckers are possessed uh, by demons. Like, even just the stupid eye contacts that they have in were just so um, effective. I, um... Oh, what was it? I lost my place. Um, it was exactly what I wanted if it wasn't going to be a Raimi remake of Evil Dead. Like, I'm glad they didn't, like, try to kind of make it comedic mm. and, like, not succeed. I'm glad they just went the whole other way with it, and it just worked super well. Um, obviously, I love the gore. Uh, they took it to a whole nother level, <laughs> definitely. Uh, so much stabbing. Nail guns, so much stuff. Electric oh. knives, oh my god! Needles, um, yes. and then we got the chainsaw. We got the, of course, we got the chainsaw hand, which I didn't, I didn't think we were gonna get it, and I, oh yeah, I was very oh excited god. about and it. And the loss of limb, yes. Um, and then I don't know if you guys watched all the way to the end, like past the credits, but we did have a cute Groovy. little Ash moment. Groovy. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so that was a nice surprise. Uh, but yeah, so. Oh, I just, I loved it. I'm very excited. This is one of my new favorites. This is going to be a, hey, everyone, want to watch a movie? <laughs> you know? Movie? It's mine. Yeah. It, 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 uh, I think we should establish, is it Jane Levy or Jane Levy? You say Levy. I'm saying Levy. I just um, if you want to correct me, I just don't want to go forward I, it, saying it. It might, is it L-E-V-Y? Yes. yes. I, I think that's Levy. Like Chevy. Yeah, like. You know, I, like Dan I didn't Levy, know if somebody Jean heard Levy. it pronounced, yeah. and then I, I don't want to keep pronouncing it wrong. I think it's Levy. I, I think some people do do Leave, Levy or whatever. What Levy 2000. Cat, <laughs> so, uh, I definitely thought of you when when uh, Levy's character, Maya, is introduced. You, the first time you see her. Mia. Mia. <laughs> <laughs> I should have, you know, the way I was remembering it, I should have remembered that because, like, the whole time I'm getting confused, is it Maya or Mia? And I was like, she's all about Mia. Ew. That was like her character. Um, but when she's first introduced, she's sitting on the hood of what I guess is Ash's burned out car, junked out next to the cabin. And she's sitting on the hood and she's smoking a cigarette. She looks very, very goth. And she's got her big uh, sketch pad out in front a of her. A lot of eyeliner. <laughs> oh, a lot of eyeliner. Yeah. And, and she's uh, like milky white. She's like translucent, you know. Yeah. And she's, she's uh, Gerard Way this, from My Chemical yeah. Romance at that point. <laughs> Yeah, and then they, they, they show her sketch pad, and she's drawing a dark, scary landscape, you know, on the... Sure, day, yeah. You know, so you know that she's got some demons, mm -hmm. you know, uh, figurative and soon to be literal. Um, the heroin thing we've seen before, usually you see that, like, more in uh, in vampire movies. It's usually, like, a little bit more uh, subtle than this. This this decides to go, like, literal. We're not trying to, you know, make any uh, hints about it. Like, she's addicted, and she throws her the rest of her heroin down the well... Which I thought, like, I mean, you could at least was a lot. do what you got before, you know, this whole weekend. You can't oh, get like any more out bag. here. I don't know about throwing it away. <laughs> but if you follow that, one thing that I thought about with, with Mia uh, being so Mia is that if you follow that metaphor through the whole movie uh, to the end, it's like even more bleak than if it was just demons. Like, I'm glad Mia came out of this, but I mean, <laughs> quite a price to pay for this she's definitely back on heroin 
<laughs> no, it, it, no, but it's literally like it's it's if you want to. I think sad. I it's think what you, Trent's getting at. I don't is, think it matters by then, but it would be sad if you extrapolated that metaphor. Yeah, I think what Trent's saying is like these four people brought her out there to kick a habit <laughs> to help her and to kick it. Everybody else but her had to die. <laughs> mm, right. it's, got, it's very dark. It's right? really not a very good public service announcement for how to kick a drug habit. I, th- I thought it should have been funnier, too. That's, again... Uh, no, no, I disagree. Oh, I okay. will disagree with I, you. I knew you guys were going to say it, but let, let me just make my case. Sure. Okay, somebody cuts off their own arm with an electric turkey cutter. They were mm-hmm. getting okay. possessed by demons. That's funny. That was funny. Somebody <laughs> no, cutting that, off that their own arm. That was funny when she was like, she was like, I feel much better now. Yeah, was, like, that no, was funny. That's that like... I didn't find that funny. I found I that terrifying. When she's like, it was leaned up against the fridge, and they come in to be like, what the hell is happening? And she's like, it's okay. I feel much better now. I felt terrified. Her, the rest of her arm plops off. I mean, yeah. it's, it's uh, gross. I love it. I mean, good. it's brutal, but I just feel like it's missing the humor that that, that situation requires a little more humor. Well, I thought you really hated this remake. I just said, Despite, you were, you were, yeah, you were. That's not a hate. Well, yeah, maybe. It was but misdirection. It was misdirection. A little after that. And I watched it with Connie and with Caitlin. And um, I honestly think that Connie's a bit more of a discerning critic. Uh, she's very brutal, very harsh on a lot of movies. And uh, she was like, again, like out of like Trent's out of his mind. What's going on? <laughs> What's going on with Trent? We we should be worried. <laughs> I, did, I never said, said I didn't like it. I just said Matt. Yeah, I oh, mean. You said Matt. And I know. Like, it sent waves through the whole community. I, I d- <laughs> like everyone, everyone was all up in arms. My child was I upset. Know. I watched it again. And I, again, same thing. Oh, like so I, the more I get familiar with it, the more I do. I, I don't dislike it. I just, it doesn't have the the zap for me, you know, as, as that original vision. I just wish. I like, like it better than Sam movie. Raimi. I like Whoa. it better than Sam Raimi's version. It's one of my favorite straight up horror movies for like boxes I want to check. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite ones. Yeah, like, like I understand you, you the journey the of scene, like we just talked about like you know, Mia gets fucked up. Again, both movies we talked about tonight have a very questionable remake scene. Yeah, and, and they Hills do Have it. Eyes is is After all the backlash the first Evil Dead got, the remake did the scene mm-hmm. that gave And Hills all Have yeah. Eyes did the the rape scene in the camper. Right. Hills Have Eyes did the tree rape scene, which is which is seedy. Don't want to say iconic. Or tree rapes sorry, are very seedy. Did the the tree rapes? Yeah, scene. very. It was shorter. Why they had to do nice. that? It was, yeah, it was like two seconds. Oh, it was shorter. Well, it seemed shorter it's to not me. It's as brutal. The, it was the first Evil Dead is absolutely brutal. Yeah. This one, I I felt like that kind of just dialed it back a little bit because the Come tree. Come on. Dialed no. it back? <laughs> yeah, because if we want to. Yeah, because in the first movie, it's like a there's a big giant thick branch that just goes. Boom, like, yeah. oh my God, it's too much. And then this one, this one almost it looks crawls like it might up. Be a it's nice almost size. like it's alive. It's yeah. almost a nice this, size. This, <laughs> but again, I'm going to go back to sound design. I mean, we can pull it up. I mean, sound I design. To. Sound design. It's horrible <laughs> in the remake. Like, really? It's, oh, yeah. Like, I see what you're saying. It's, re- it's really impactful. There's also, a, uh, in that, right before that section, there's a part where uh, uh, Mia hears her friends calling to her and she looks out over the fogged water and uh, is like, you're trying to like, see, you're actually trying to see her friends because you hear their voices. And then right in the foreground that like 
head pops up. It's very like the the ring or something. Mm. Uh, it's, it's it's very like cheesy, but the way they do it and the depth of perception thing. Like, so I did want to talk about that. Like, is that the girl from the from the cold open? So one, I thought it was one, her. One, I thought it was a demon version. Ver- yeah. One problematic yeah. thing that I have with this movie, and we a couple of you have said like oh no cgi all practical effects dave like we watched a scene earlier today to prove that was definitely no there's some cgi just it's not reliant on that does it very sparingly but in the beginning with the daughter scene and the dad scene which i think is very impactful that's all cgi and is that the girl that pops up out of the lake that you're talking about? No, I think it's her. It's it, Mia. Yeah, it's an alternate. It's a demon version of Mia. It's yeah. That, that, but they need but they need five souls. So one thing that this movie changes from the original is says the that that there's a specific demon that needs five souls, and we get everybody that showed up at the the, the camp, the cabin. Camp sounds nice. Cabin sounds sketchy. Um, who's the fifth? How does it? How, how does the demon rise at the end? Well, there's five. There's five kids there, right? There's Mia, David, David's girlfriend, and then uh, Budget Jared Leto, and then the nurse. That's five. Well, that was four. Oh well, so the girl must count as the fifth. No, that's the what I'm asking. One, yeah, I don't think it's it, Mia, David, no, yeah. Eric. Olivia, Natalie, those are the five. So the girl guess, maybe I, doesn't count as a fifth. Well, maybe the question but is... But is, is it because David kills Mia and brings her back from the dead? Is that the fifth soul? Oh, I was going to say that the girl in the opening, like you kind of don't That's what have a context That's... of how long ago that was from when they arrived at the camp. Like it could have just happened. I didn't think it was that long ago. Like right, so the, that could have been the the guy looked the first pretty contemporary. That could have yeah. been the first, and they show up, and are the remaining four. You know what I mean? But or Mia was the fifth, and she died. I, David brought her back. Yeah, with a car battery. What was that? You know, I thought I that know. there was a certain <laughs> uh, like art direction to like the book that I thought was amazing in this. Yeah, uh, like great. the oh, I thought wire it was terrible on top of. You thought it was terrible. I thought like the the handwriting and the fonts they used to be like, don't I, read this. I meant like the unveiling. Don't say this out loud. And he's still like, I like that. I oh, like okay. That. Um, I like. I that. won't. And yeah. then he's like, oh, I'm yeah. gonna do like the old because uh, you would pencil. and I would. He just suddenly. We would. How does he know how to do that? We would. Sudden yeah. <laughs> we would. Okay. All right. I don't know. That, I love. I, I loved how I the agree. barbed wire on the outside of like the trash bag almost looked like the face. From the original one, like the new book wasn't so campy that it had the face on it, but the way it was sewn and everything was very much like an homage to the first one. And I, there's a few little subtle, uh, like tributes to the first one that I really liked. And at the end, I, I always hate one liners, and maybe Evil Dead is one of the only things I allow these in. But when she was like, he's like, I'm gonna eat your soul. I was like, eat this motherfucker. I was yeah. like, yes. <laughs> I was psyched. I usually hate one liners, but um, I thought it was pr- a pretty subtle homage uh, to Sam Raimi, but also being its own thing. Like, this is like covering OK Computer or something, or like 
Jimi Hendrix Are You Experienced? Like, this is a huge undertaking. And, you know, if I was Fidi Alvarez, I would feel really good about what, like, I think this is a, a great moment in horror. I don't look at the title when I watch this movie. I just know that I want to watch this movie as a horror movie. When Connie watched it, she forgot what the name of the movie was. And then at the end, when it shows Evil Dead, she was like, oh, that was really great, but what a dumb name. <laughs> she was like, she had it is, seen it. it, it. Dumb name. She was like, what a dumb name. It should have like, been called something way better. Uh, I don't know, Evil Dead? Like <laughs> refrigerator magnet poetry or something? Like that. No, I never would have found the book in this if we were in a cabin. Okay, they find the basement. They don't know it has a basement, but they like move the rug. They find a bunch of blood. And so, of course, I'm going to check out the basement of the cabin, which is pretty big. Uh, the basement is filled with uh, cat carcasses, like yeah. hanging upside down, like 50 carcasses of cats. And you're telling me that the the intervention isn't off at that point. I would say it is all over. The basement is yes. filled with dead animals and they're hung up. It's not like there's a psycho killer out here. Well, they could uh, be the, smoking meat. She can uh, go to the hotel. They, and when they showed up, they were like, oh, it looks like someone broke in. Yeah, no, the, it's over at that point. The weekend is over. Mia's going to have to just be on heroin a little bit longer. Is the bridge <laughs> already out? Oh, the bridge is already out. It's too late oh, by true. that point. Well, yeah, but that's much later. They should have ran. I'm saying as soon as you see 50 dead cat carcasses hanging up in the basement, mm. you got to get out. You have to leave. I love the bridge out scene, too. Look, the bridge, good. The bridge good. wasn't out until Eric read the words from the book. Yeah, they were already like right. trying to flee at that point. Yeah. I'm reading all Latin. Have we ever come across a book with Latin? Kanda. I'm reading it all. <laughs> oh, Let's try don't. it. Let's try it right now. Kanda. Sanctos. Oh, um, I have a question for you guys. The pet gets it once again in this. Oh, Grandpa. Yeah. Was dog another yeah. another dog star? Was dog, the dog grandpa. in the movie before the dog was dead though? Because I didn't see the dog until they found the dog no, the dead. Dog was Dog yeah, was there. he was oh, yeah. around. Yeah, he like was? when when like the scene that you were talking about when Mia was like on the hood of the of Ash's car. Oh, okay. And and David, her brother, comes to talk to her. He she's like, oh, grandpa, like clearly because uh, okay. like there's the whole backstory of like her and, yeah, and their, their mother was their sick and dying, yeah, and David yeah. was taking care of her. And Grandpa shows up. I kind of thought the dog just showed up to die. I was like, wait a minute, there's a dog in this? We were criticizing the other movie for like those like flash effects or whatever. When they cut to uh, him thinking, picturing Mia hitting the dog with a hammer, I thought that was effective. It was like one of those things where you don't see the gore. You just saw her with a hammer Mm -hmm. and the sound design and everything. And it was a really gory kind of scene. Uh, I did appreciate in the beginning when Mia makes David her brother cross his uh, or cross his heart that he's not going to leave no matter what uh, happens in the detox weekend, and so he crosses his heart and he says, "Hope to die." Strings come in that changes scenes real quick. I'm sp- surprised you like that because I watched this again with like the thought like, "Oh, Trent hates this." I did like how the addiction, the detox, gave you an automatic possession right away. That mm-hmm. was kind of the cool thing about that little trick is that. Uh, before you even need to get to the demons, you just have Maya starting to freak out because she's uh, going through withdrawal. Mia. So she's like screaming and yelling and she's all sweaty and ashen looking and she's swearing at them. She's really unhappy. So you kind of have that as like a, a, 
a preamble uh, to the actual demons. I, I, I did like vessel. that. She it, makes a great vessel for. Uh, yeah, it let you introduce that kind of thing like immediately in the movie instead of waiting for the book and all that. The script for this was doctored, which is a, a, a pretty normal thing in Hollywood, by Diablo Cody. Yes, right, right. So she did Juno, Academy Award for that. Jennifer's Body, which I yes. think is a very underrated uh, and not talked about enough horror film. Um, so there's that. Uh, Park Chan Wook turned down a director's offer for this. Um, if you want to look at IMDb and get some more fun facts, the names of the main characters, David, Eric, Mila, uh, Mia, Olivia, and Natalie, spelled demon. Oh, Whoa. I, like I like that. Yeah, it's kind of, it's like so like lame. You'd think it'd be like super lame, but I was like, yeah, that's cool. Uh, music was done by Roque Banos, uh, who did Don't Breathe 1 and 2, The Last Circus, Dave. Woo! His House. Woo! Which we talked <laughs> about. Uh, and, and a little movie that I wonder if someday we can get into the show, The Machinist. Uh, 95% of this movie was shot in order and it was done so because like Trent mentioned, they built this cabin, but they shot 95% of the movie in order so they wouldn't have to clean shit up because it gets real gross. And the last thing I will say about this is, or actually wait, two last things. The arm cutoff scene is a one take shot that is 100% practical effects. And when I read that on IMDb, I was like, fuck you. No way. So I watched it today multiple times and was like, yeah, legit. The last thing I will say is if you want to talk about Evil Dead and think about franchises that we talk about on this show all the time, Sam Raimi, Rob Tappert, and Bruce Campbell have kept the rights to the Evil Dead franchise this entire time. So... Think about when we look at the franchises we love and how they just can't move forward or even left, right, center. However, somehow Raimi and Tapper and Campbell have kept the rights to this franchise the entire time and they've done whatever the fuck they want with it. And I think that's one of the reasons that this remake of The Evil Dead is so fucking good and why that group of people keep making really favorable and enjoyable things for our genre fans. 